Welcome to the 131st episode of the Young Turps Podcast from the Viner Forgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode, we're talking about the Terps' loss to Indiana and, of course, all your Terrapin news on the Terrapin Rundown. But before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, to start things off on today's non-rev report, men's soccer destroyed number 6 Indiana at home 3 nothing in front of a crowd of just under 5,000 in a rematch of last year's College Cup. Uh, tonight, the team is hosting number 24 Yale. They only have four games left in the season, and they're sitting at fourth in the Big Ten right now, so um, I'm sure they'd appreciate some standings boost before the season ends. Yeah, they should, especially if they win tonight, jump back into that top 25. Um, they have a fair amount of good wins this year, but they could use some more Big Ten wins. Field hockey suffered their first defeat since early September, going down one nothing to number 9 Michigan. And Maryland had an amazing win over the number 21 Ohio State Buckeyes on the road 6-3, to where they scored, I believe it was three goals in just under four minutes. They now only have Michigan State and American left on the schedule. They will host the Spartans this weekend. Just an amazing comeback, because at one time, at one point in this game, I believe Maryland was down 4-2, and it looked like it was over, and the season was unraveling a bit. Yep, but great resilience by the squad, and they still sit number one in the Big Ten standings. That's what they got focused on, I suppose. On the women's soccer side, uh, the Lady Terps snapped a three-game winless streak this weekend. They took down Purdue 2-1 in College Park Sunday in their final home game of the season. Uh, the team will travel to both Michigan schools this week to finish out the schedule. Number 19 Michigan State is first with a game on Thursday. Women's soccer has, even if they don't make the tournament, which... Is still a very real possibility for them. They have achieved what they set out to do this season, in my opinion. They really have got the program back in the right direction. They have the most wins since 2012. I mean, a huge step in the right direction for a program that was absolutely floundering. Yeah, and volleyball had a big positive crowd, a lot like the, I guess a lot like that Maryland-Penn State football game, but they were broomed by number 5 Nebraska in front of a record crowd of 2,225. Next, the squad will travel to Northwestern to attempt to get back in the win column and then come home for a game against Penn State, which will be played on the Xfinity main court, not in the pavilion. Ooh, I did not know that. That is a cool little side note. Um, not much else news on the schedule uh, today. Uh, basketball news, Jalen Smith was named to the Carl Malone watch list for best power forward in college hoops. The honor was given to nation's top power forward. I already said that. And 20 players got on the list, so similar to Anthony Cowan in the Bob Cousy Award list, a lot of hype for this team going into the season. And as I'm sure we all saw, the Terps were, na- were the number seven team in the AP preseason top 25. Um, the hype's building, Mason, and I am really excited. Yeah, we'll have our preview basketball episode coming out later this week. The Terps were ranked number five, I believe, in Andy Katz poll, and Seth Davis on the athletic head. The Terps also at number five. Uh, Maryland won their secret sh- scrimmage game against Pitt, 84-75, to according to Jeff Goodman. Not much stock in that. Obviously, uh, the secret scrimmage, you do play almost all of your players, if not all of them. 
Uh, but something worth mentioning in that Jeff Goodman tweet, um, he tweeted some stats out. Jalen Smith led the team with, I think, 20 points, but he was 3 for 4 from deep. I'm not surprised. Jalen Smith does it, and Ricky Lindo both, respectively, have great uh, shooting forms. It was just a matter of putting it together in games. You know, Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith both last year did try and stretch the floor a little bit. Neither of them successful with that, but both the, I mean, Fernando, Lindo, and Jalen Smith all had good shooting strokes. The ball just did not go into the basket for any of the three. Well, Sticks did knock in that one big three-pointer, Mason. I believe you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the three against uh, LSU in the NCAA tournament. So Jalen Smith does have a... I mean, he had a shot. He was expected to have a shot. But it, it looks like he'll be able to develop that more into this season. Hopefully it will be able to last the full length of the season. Because we have seen a lot of shooters around here who have had great starts and have completely fallen off. Like Jared Nickens, Deion Wiley, uh, Logan Aaronholt. All these guys have fallen off. Even Kevin Herter at one point kind of lost his shooting stroke his freshman year. Hopefully, Sticks will be able to keep it up throughout the entire season. And I guess right, that takes right. us to football. We're getting ahead of ourselves. This is good preview talk. Um, unfortunately, we can't all look forward to basketball season, though, because football keeps playing and they keep losing. Yeah. Uh, another game for Piggy and another big turnover and missed. Just another miss for uh, Tyrell Pigrome. Yeah, um... So Indiana now five and two wins thirty four twenty eight over the now three and four and in all likelihood out of a bowl Maryland Terrapins. Um, it's it really sucks for me personally. Again, as someone who's really backing Piggy for the last two seasons now, it really sucks that this narrative that Piggy just the narrative that he keeps making gang one play short really sucks. And, yeah, there's a, a lot of truth to it at this point. It's hard to get around that even for someone who has been maybe a little biased towards him. But I don't know what else to do as a Maryland fan at this point other than play him. I am concerned about changing the playbook up again for, I guess, the second week in a row if you put the suit in against Minnesota, which I don't think is going to happen. I think Josh Jackson's probably back by then, but no guarantee. Um... The coaches did what we wanted them to do. Also, they changed the playbook. Not completely. They still didn't put a ton of design runs in, although P did get nine carries off in this game. Um, they shortened the field. They got him more completable passes. The QBR was still in the tank at 54.4. But he got 210 yards through the air. Um, we got torched through the air, just like we thought we would. It just it's really sucks that despite... Everything that we wanted to happen. The coaches changed the playbook up. Piggy got more in the groove. Javon Leak had a great game, 150 over on the ground. Despite all of that, their season's just kind of over. And it's hard to put the blame on one person. We can, And it's not over, over. If we lose to Minnesota, too, we can really start looking back on this season already. But until that happens, we have some flicker of hope. But yeah, this is a major downer. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, um, at the end of the day, Piggy made a play on that fourth down, and I'm not going to lie. I don't understand why he's throwing that ball to Sean Savoy. I mean, if you look at the play, both Oconquo across the middle and Dante Demas, and that's how the cornerback intercepted the ball. He completely left Dante Demas on the boundary wide open around 15 yards down the field. And he, he chased the ball down and made that play, but 
I mean, there are multiple scenarios. If you look at that interception, he can hit Savoy there. Sean Savoy might score a touchdown. He could have thrown the ball to Oconquo. He could have thrown the ball to Dante Demas. It's a shame the way this team, especially guys like Antoine Brooks, Chance Campbell, Piggy, and Siobhan Leak played, that they failed. They really did. They really failed in this game. Javon Leak got the ball stripped from him. Piggy overthrows Sean Savoy. It's an interception. The defense in the second half played like a defense that wanted to win. They played like... I mean, they gave up 34 points in this game, but they played like a championship defense in the second half. They got off the field. It didn't. It wasn't great. They were giving up drives to the 40, their own 40. Between the 40s, they were stopping Indiana. But at the end of the day, Maryland was not able to get out of the shadow of their own goalpost when the balls were when they got the ball inside their own 20-yard line on offense. And Indiana was just able to do that a little bit more. And it's a shame the ball, I mean, the game comes down to one pass that Piggy airmails over the head of Sean Savoy, but that's really what it does come down to. Yeah, that's a real letdown. Maryland won a lot of categories in this game, actually. They converted more third downs than Indiana. Converted more fourth downs, too. They also um, didn't convert one. They... Man, though, they got killed in time possession. They got killed in average track field position. They got killed in yards, which you mentioned. Indiana was running up and down the field like nobody's business. Um, but I don't... Something that really irritated me is the defense came out of this game just looking flat as a pancake. And I don't know how, in such an important game, that happens. It really shouldn't, especially if you want to be a contender... In a Power 5 conference, maybe, I'd say this season, the second best conference in the NCAA. I don't know how that happens. Yeah, um, it was not a strong start from the defense, uh, especially on the first drive. Penix was able to march right down the field. Maryland then fires back. Another touchdown to go 14-7 before finally being forced to punt on a... um, drive where they only were able to get first uh, one first down. Maryland then turns well over on downs, and Indiana driving down the field to really, in my opinion, break this game wide open to go up 21-7. Maryland saved by a uh, diving interception in the end zone by Antoine Brooks, who had an amazing game. And then the Terps kind of find a way to uh, get it back going, tie the game up, uh, end up taking the lead 21-17 to in the first half. And then on one of an obvious offensive pass interference that's not called at the end of the first half, Indiana scores a touchdown to take the three-point lead into the locker room. Turns into a defensive battle, especially early in the third quarter. We saw uh, one, two, three, four, five, five, six punts in a row before Indiana scored a touchdown to go 10. Maryland immediately fires back. Then the game goes three more punts in a row from both teams. The Maryland finally fumbles. On their own 20-yard line, Indiana hits a field goal to go up 34-28 in Maryland on a 10-play, 33-yard drive that ends in a piggy interception. And then just two knees, and that's the game. I mean, that's that's your quick synopsis right there. It's just a game of start off really fast and then ended with a few, uh, as Jay Gruden loved to call them, bang-bang plays that just didn't go in Maryland's favor, and they end up losing this game. But ultimately, it was a really good contest, really tight game, and a big turnaround from what we saw last week. I just do not understand how it really kind of made me. It would be one thing if Maryland came out and lost this game 42-14, to just like they did to Purdue. 
It's another thing to just point to a few plays, like we said about the game last week, and look at Maryland could have beaten Purdue, or they could have really been in the game against Purdue. But it was a big turnaround in terms of final score from last week. But there really isn't a moral victory when you're playing against an Indiana team. Listen, um, I'm going to say some points in this game, mostly towards the end here. And you're going to tell me what you were thinking when these happened. Okay, you ready? Yeah, sure. Okay, so Indiana punts. Maryland's got about, I'd say, I think, I was thinking it was about three minutes left on the clock. Right before we fumbled that drive, what did you? What were you thinking when we took the field? The offense took the field. To be honest, I thought they were going to drive down the field, kick a field goal to uh, tie the game, and then lose on a field goal. And I was, I, I was optimistic about that. Honestly, the way that Indiana plays, as Dan Dakich liked to point out all over Twitter, of course they're going to run the ball twice and throw it once because that's the way Indiana football finds ways to lose games. And I, I kind of agreed with that. It seemed like I was watching Maryland have a 31-28 to lead, but I thought Maryland was either going to drive down the field and at least tie the game the way that things were going. This defense had really stepped it up into, you know, it looked like they wanted to win. It looked like they were there to win a game. A lot like the games that they played against Indiana over the past few years. No, we know what happens. Piggy throws it to Javon Leak. Javon Leak fumbles. Uh, Indiana picks it up at the 15 I assume you thought we were going to lose the game there. No, I, I, actually I did not think they were going to lose the game quite yet there. I thought that there was a good chance that Maryland uh, holds Indiana to that field goal and they get the ball back with a chance to win. Was I overly inspired by anything that I saw? Uh, no, not really. I mean, if you look through that drive, it was a four-play negative one-yard uh, negative one-yard drive. When um, on second down, Peyton Ramsey drops back to throw the ball and he fires a shot. Uh, pass over to a guy who really destroyed Maryland, the tight end, uh, uh, as always, Hendershot. And when that pass was incomplete, I just thought that Maryland was going to find some way to win this game or Indiana was going to fumble or something like that. It was stupid like that was going to happen. Um, I also thought going into that third down play that there was a good chance that Peyton Ramsey ran the ball for a touchdown. Uh, overall, emotionally during that, I was I was really confident. I was really confident in the way that Maryland handled one their timeout usage. Uh, they were just over three minutes on the clock when that drive started. There were three minutes and 42 seconds left. Maryland was able to only use one timeout on that drive due to the Indiana deciding to throw the ball. And I thought that Maryland handled it very well. I really did. It gave me a lot of confidence that Loxley and uh, the coaches weren't rattled at all. They knew what they were doing in a close game, and they had the right situation set up for the offense. Um, going into the next drive where Maryland gets the ball back, uh, got the ball back at the... 25 to a couch, for a touchback. Um, I'll be honest, I thought this was going to be finally going to be Piggy's moment. I thought the defense held, Javon Leak kind of let down first drive, but this time we were going to see him take us down the field with three minutes left, score a touchdown. I was not ruling out us missing an extra point or something, but I thought he was going to prove himself finally as a viable option as starting quarterback. And at least to me, we, we, we can get to what you think in a second, Mason, but to me... He actually kind of did that. The team was running confidently. Not, no mistakes were being made. We were incrementally tripping right up the field. I was a little bit concerned at how much time I was taking. But we were in Indiana territory, and then he sailed that pass. So I was let down. What did you think as the drive progressed? Yeah, I'll take you through the drive. Honestly, I thought it was a great play call to start it off. Uh, um, Piggy 
on the, on the first play of the drive, Maryland gets an illegal block. And at that point, I thought they were going to lose. They were going to throw an interception or somebody was going to fumble. That was kind of it. And then you end up in a first and 22 situation where you take a shot down the field to Dante Demas. That's incomplete. And then Maryland kind of gets it rolling. Indiana gets a penalty back, which there was a lot of... When there was one team getting a penalty, a lot of times in this game, the other team then received one right back for it. Indiana gets a hold. Maryland gets lucky enough to get a first and 10 on their own 23-yard line. And then you kind of go through it. You know, Maryland is faced with a third and one. They hand the ball off to John Lee. He gets five yards. They're all the way up to the 37-yard line at that point with a first down, and you call that timeout. At that point, I was like, Maryland's going to get a chance. They're going to reconfigure themselves. They still have a timeout left. We're driving down the field. We're going to win this game. Piggy fires the ball on a third and 10 to Chig Conquo for seven yards, which was an amazing catch by Chig. And it was a fourth and three. And on fourth and three, I'm thinking quarterback power off the right edge the way that Maryland's run the whole season, and they're going to get a first down. Now, the play did not go like that. It looked like, and I have not gotten a chance to go back and look at this play, and I think it's one of Maryland's uh, more defining plays of the season, which was a halfback draw play that looked like Indiana blew it up. They had it sniffed out, and Piggy was able to tuck the ball and run it for four yards on fourth and three. And then you're like, and I know every Maryland fan was like this, we're going to win this game. The next play, Piggy fires the ball to Daryl Jones to get 10 yards and another first down. And then I go, as soon as Daryl Jones catches that ball, I'm like, he's going to throw an interception on this play because I didn't like how fast Maryland was going. He drops back, he sails the ball over the head of Sean Savoy, it's picked off, and the game's over. At that point, I just close my computer and walk away. There was nothing left. I mean, this game was so, I guess, taxing to the normal Maryland fan. I wasn't there, but I assume if you were there, this was quite the game to be at because it was finally kind of a close game in Maryland Stadium. And Maryland's been able to pull these out at home over the past couple of years, the few close games they've had. This was it. This was kind of that moment in the season, your 500 team against... I mean, I think I kind of proved my point with what I said about Indiana, that they really are not that good... They are a, on the same level as Maryland, maybe a little bit better, which they were. They were six points better. That you just need to win this game. You just had to do it. You were making the plays in order to put yourself in position to win this game. And all you needed to do was kind of close the door and score that last touchdown. You know, kick that field goal, make that, that last play. And unfortunately, as it is so much with Piggy and as a fact with that, so much with Maryland over the past couple years in close games, you miss the wide-open guy in the end zone. You miss the the guy that's open for another 15 or 16 yards, and you just fall short, you know. Go back to that game against Ohio State or the game against Indiana last year. It just seems like you have every opportunity in the book to make these wins, you know, games that when you came into the Big Ten, you said, oh, we're going to have to win these games. Maryland has now not... They're still not beating Indiana and Rutgers in the same season since they joined this league. I think that says it all. I mean, no, no, I'm not done. I'm not done. Or at least by this point, you would say Maryland would have beaten a top 10 team or a top 15 team just because of the amount of opportunities they had. And I, I assume if you polled every Maryland fan when they first joined this league, that they would have said Maryland has beaten a top 15 team by now. At least one. I think we're five years in. I, I think a lot of people would say, okay, one time they'll be able to pull it off just because 
in the ACC, we were able to do so. We had that game. We had that last play last year against Ohio State, that kind of win that, you know, Purdue was still riding high on when they beat Ohio State last year. We had those opportunities. We've had them against now Indiana two years in a row against Ohio State. You know, those kind of games you point to and say, that's when we won. That's when it was our day. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Jordan, but Maryland beat Virginia once because they missed a field goal at the last second. Yeah, I do. It doesn't seem like we've had many days like that since we've joined this league. Sure, we beat Minnesota on the road once that was like that, and we beat Indiana at home uh, with Max Bortenschlager in 42-39 to that was like that. But it just seemed like this year, when you're a 500 team with a new coaching staff, you really could have used that last you know, game-winning drive. Because, now you can tell me this more more so because you're more of not as much of a Maryland football fan as I am. I'll watch any game whether they're 2-10 and 10 or not. Do you think if they drive down the field and win this game, especially if it was on like the last play of the game, that you kind of get some fan interest back? You know, you're going into a game against ranked team, and then you have homecoming against Michigan where everybody wants to see those uniforms. Everybody kind of wants to be there. It is Maryland homecoming. And while it's not as big a deal as it is for some schools, a lot of people do come to the Maryland homecoming game. I mean, I yeah, I think it would have been a huge boost. Um, now I think you look like a rudderless program. You've lost four of the last five beat Rutgers. Yay. Um, I think even the Temple loss, which had some luster for a minute, got stomped out because as they got steamrolled by SMU. Like, I think you just look... That's what I'm just going to say it again. You look rudderless as a program right now. And I think being Indiana would have really helped. I think... We'll get to this more next week. I think now the schedule ahead of you looks incredibly daunting. Uh, Minnesota... It looks pretty good at this point. I think it's hard to argue otherwise. Uh, Michigan, I, I won't get in my Michigan rant. I'll save that for a little bit later. And then we face Ohio State. Like, I don't think any Maryland fan really expects to go even one and two during this next three games. No, but do you think it's inspiring at, at all if you're a Maryland fan in this game? We can talk about this more um, a little bit in the next episode. But if Maryland plays Minnesota close, Michigan close, and I really don't think they have a chance against Ohio State... If they play these next two games close, or do you have? I, in my opinion, I would have more confidence in Coach Loxley just because we have not seen uh, in in a lot of time now. At this point, haven't seen a coach or a team here that's been able to play two ranked teams back to back close. Yeah, it would. I would strongly prefer us hanging in these games. I, I think even. I don't think I can emphasize that enough. I really do not want to see us get blown out in two weeks in a row. No, and I don't think... I I honestly do not think they will get blown out two weeks in a row. I don't think they'll get blown out either of these games. I really don't. No, I think that they lose against... Or you can... Here, continue. um, I think they're probably going to hang with Minnesota for at least the first three quarters. Um, Minnesota hasn't blown anybody out yet, but they just keep winning, which is fine. Honestly, for them, that's fine. They're having the best season they've had in over a decade. Um, Michigan, I keep saying this, and I will still stand by this, Michigan should not be ranked. I really do believe that. Yeah, they hung with Penn State a long time, but they have not had a win yet that made me say, oh, that's a good team. I they have, They've blown one team out this season. I don't think we're going to blown up by them. I think those two games you can hang with. You may, Maybe, maybe you can steal one of them and get some momentum going again as a program. But I think it's very realistic you hang in both these games. 
I would love to see this team have an opportunity to win both of these games. And I honestly, I think that they might have a opportunity to at least hang in both of these games. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose next week, like twenty-eight to twenty-one, and they lose to Michigan, like twenty-four to fourteen. That would not surprise me at all. I don't I really think. think, I, don't think I, don't, I think that too. I don't really think that they're playing any teams that are impossible to beat. I don't really think they're in these next two weeks aren't going to be without an opportunity. I think that. Uh, Josh Jackson's going to be their starting quarterback going into this next game, and we'll we'll kind of see or we'll hear from Coach Loxley tomorrow about his status and about some other uh, injuries uh, on this roster. I, at this point, I don't know if they're going to bring back Terrence Davis this season or if they're going to hold him out for a red shirt. But hopefully, we'll see some guys get healthy and just you know continue to fight on. But this this performance, while it is a loss in a game that you really needed to win, was a lot better than the Purdue one. Just to point out one of the positives, but a loss is a loss, and that's kind of how you have to look at the game against Indiana. It's a team that going into this conference, you thought you were going to be beating more times than losing. You really thought that this was going to be a win that you could count on, and a win that if your program continued to develop by year, what is this, five? Is it five or six? This is... It's year five. No, it's year six if you got 2014. Well, and, and then in year six, you would be able to beat them hopefully every season... But that does not seem to be the case. And that's kind of where I'll leave it as far as this Indiana game goes. It was really disappointing. It, it was really unfortunate as a Maryland fan to see this team go down like this. They're just so banged up, so injured that you were really hoping they could pull one out, get Terrence Davis back, and kind of go into Minnesota with a little bit of a little bit of juice left in them. But now it's up to them. I mean, Ellis McKinney said it best on Twitter. Now you play for the name on the front of the jersey and the name on the back. Because all the Fairweather fans are gone. You know, as, yes, a pro- as, a, as a program, you're looking at a crowd of about 25,000 real fans that show up every week. And now that's who's left. That's who's going to be watching this game. You still have a national stage. I mean, given that we keep on talking about this team being down and everything, you have to look at the opportunity that's presented in front of them. Everyone's talking about what, when your recruits are going to start jumping ship, when all that uh, stuff's going to start happening. You have a unique opportunity, given your record and given the way you've played this season, to play on ESPN next week at 3.30, and then to play on ABC the week after that at 12. I present this team, I mean, regardless of how bad they are at the moment, this team's been handed, and it will be handed again, and it's going to be handed a third time in a row when they play against Ohio State, even if they get blown out two times, the chance to prove themselves on national television, and I think that Somebody's got to drive that home. Somebody's got to drive home the point this week in that in those meeting rooms in during those practices that you're given a unique opportunity that we have not had here in a long time to show something and end somebody's undefeated season that is not untouchable. We played against some undefeated teams that are untouchable, but Minnesota is not. Got to drive that home. Got to get ready to go, and hopefully we'll see something positive from this team on Saturday. Hey, nothing else this season. These last two weeks of college football have told us anybody really can beat anybody, so don't give up. And we got basketball coming up soon, if you have. So stay now, tuned with us. Now, do you think if if Maryland beat Ohio State last year, it would be taken like Illinois beating Wisconsin? Or is Maryland above Illinois in the national picture? I think two things, if we're talking about that game. I think Illinois has long been one of the worst programs in college football. Or at least a power five football. Um, so I don't know if we're necessarily higher up on the time pole than them, really, because I, 
just really getting more into national college football discussions online this season, we really are looked down on this program. And it has really kind of blown me away in how low some other programs think of us, which, objectively speaking, I can't really blame them. Um, but I think this Wisconsin team really did look untouchable until today, until yesterday. Or, I guess, Saturday now. Um, this team did not look like one that was liable to just lose like that. Um, Ohio State already had shown weakness. Wisconsin had not. They looked like one of those teams. The, the upset formula follows a certain way, I feel like. like oh, most of the time, you run into high-powered offenses and just have a bad day, and the defense can't keep up. Wisconsin was run-based, defense-based. They just looked like someone you're going to have to beat. And they wouldn't Ton of credit to them. They just beat them. So it was completely, utterly shocking to me. Um, but it brought game day to an NSU game again. So I can't be that upset. Yes, it did. And I think that's going to wrap it up for this podcast. Uh, we'll be back later this week with the basketball preview. A lot of positivity on there that you did not hear on this episode. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner Forgates and Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. Contact Viner Forgates today at 301 251 2900 or on the web at the number one, Viner.com, and Allied Party Rentals. For all of your party rental needs, big or small, Allied is the place to go. You can visit them on the web at AlliedPartyRentals.com. And we'll be back later this week with a basketball preview and to talk a little bit about Terps Minnesota. Jordan, you'll be out there at the game on Saturday. And unfortunately, you have to watch the Redskins on Thursday night. Hey, um, if, I'm gonna, if I get to go, I am, will be thrilled. Yep, but I'll be at TFC Bank Stadium. Um, a lot of Minnesota fans up this way are really hyped up, um, but they have actually a couple of them have cautioned me, saying that um, Minnesota keeps having trouble against Maryland, so we'll see what actually happens here. Um, I love how they say keeps having trouble against Maryland, like they're any better of a program than us. Historically speaking, they are. Yeah, but Did we're talking know? about recently. I mean, they're a little bit better than us, but... I, we, I feel like this is a whole episode, but... If you look at Maryland, take the name off the programs and look at how Maryland's done the last 10 years, we are a bad Power 5 program. That is something I feel like a lot of Maryland fans actually, like, understand. We, how many well, yeah, because a lot of Maryland fans, uh, I'll say this, a lot of Maryland fans understand that most of it's due to injury. Yeah, but if you're looking at natural, nationally, we've been to, like, what, three bowl games this decade? Something like... Mm, yeah. No, I think it actually is three. I mean, it's hard to argue against that. As just, I know injuries keep messing with us, but I mean, how do you argue against that, really? I don't know, but Minnesota, honestly, they throw out the same excuses that they've been injured, and you know it hasn't quite worked their way, as they like to say, but. I just don't know how you can be expecting, you know, some... If you're in Minnesota, I don't really know how you can be talking trash about other Big Ten teams just recently because you have the same problem that you can't fill your stadium. You haven't been great recently. You had, like, one good year where you were 8-4. I'm just telling you what it is, Mason. I'm not defending them, but I am going to say that I think a lot of Maryland fans... They also play in the Big Ten West, and they can't win games. I, I don't know how bad you think this program actually is, Mason. Which one? Minnesota. They're not that bad, but they play in the Big Ten West, and they 
what did they win last year? Six games? Seven because they won their bowl game? I think they were seven or six, something like that. And the year before that, I do not believe they made a bowl. I don't know. Yeah, so we'll take a look at it on the next episode. But that's going to be a wrap. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at YoungTurp1. And as always, thanks for listening.